All right. So real quick, before we get into it, disclaimer slash trigger warning, the episode today will contain the topics of child abuse and suicide. I know that these matters lay heavy on the heart for many, so please be aware of that and make sure that you are mentally ready before listening. Thank you. Welcome, everybody. I am Alana. And I'm Lady. And this is Spookery. Hello again, our spooky friends. I hope you have had a lovely week. Uh, Yep, definitely just one week uh, since the last time we recorded for sure. So I hope you have had one good freaking week, you know, all the way from Halloween to the new year. It's been... Yeah, it's definitely been one week and (laughs) only one week. (laughs) It's my favorite week. (laughs) It's, yep, it's it's felt like a lot of Mondays. (laughs) A lot of Mondays crammed into this one week. Uh, Well, we made it through. Nonetheless, here we are on the other side. So... Today, my topic that had been chosen for me by the Spookery Wheel TM was cults. Cults! Uh, Yes, woo! Uh, I definitely got to admit, I was a little nervous when I received this topic because um, it is a giant category, honestly. There is a lot to choose from, and I wanted to make sure that our first episode set us off right. wanted to make sure it was interesting and just, you know, fit the Spookery well. Um, And I'm fairly confident that this episode will do that, so I'm very excited to share it with you. I am so excited to hear it. Hell yeah. I can't wait. Um, I also know that uh, I kind of teased a foot cult last time, and I am sorry for those that I got excited for the feet, uh, but I decided to go in a completely different direction, so um, it truly just wasn't a really great fit for the archive. It was just kind of cut and dry. Oh no. <laughs> Whatever shall we do? <laughs> yeah, it was It was oh. not the best, but that's all right. We're replacing it with something great, so I'm happy to, I'm happy about it. Yeah. Like I said, overall, change is a good thing. It is. I, I'm excited. So. I... As you know, I love cults. I'm a big cult head. I know a lot about cults. There are a couple, a lot of cults I don't know about, but I know a lot about cults. And I, I'm so excited. I can't wait to see which one you picked. If I do know it, I'll keep shut. And if I don't know it, I'm just going to be sitting here going, wow, the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am I am really, really excited. Um, I do want to know after I kind of explain everything. I do want to kind of know where you stand on everything before we get in. And then, and then we'll see. Um, so... Uh, Of course, before we get into everything, I just want to say that uh, we do take pride in our work and we do our best to research topics thoroughly and present an interesting but accurate narrative. However, accidents do happen. And if you do find a mistake or an inaccuracy, please kindly, kindly Mm -hmm. emphasize, underlined, highlighted, bolded, all of that. Let us know by emailing us at the email which is <laughs> at podcast at gmail.com uh, it'll Beautiful. be down in the description as well I've made sure that all of our socials are posted in the descriptions so you can find all of our stuff down there perfect um, and yes we will address all of these changes at the end of the season so thank you in advance for any of your contributions um, without further ado let's get into it uh, some of you might have heard of this group already personally it was a new one to me um, initially this group referred to themselves as the great white brotherhood of initiates and masters or even the Santina Kedden Park Association they became more commonly known as the family the family the family, the family. have you heard of them before so when you said family I immediately thought of um Manson. I saw that of the Manson family. The Manson family. But I think, I think I do know this one. I think I do know the other family. I, I have a feeling you will. I just, I have a feeling as I was researching this, I'm just, I, I don't know. I just, I got a vibe. I'm like, I feel like ladies get it. I think I know one, it, so. but I'm, we'll I'm, see. I'm also, I'm like, I could, be, I could <laughs> be wrong. So I'm gonna just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna park that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna listen to the Saltina kettle, and I'm gonna be great. 
Masatios. Yes. <laughs> in my head, throughout the entire time I was doing this, I called it the Catalina wine mixer in my head because I don't know why, but it was just easier to say than the Santina Kevin. The, the, sal- the saltina kettle. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like you know, it was the Catalina wine mixer, yeah. Um, yeah. which is just not even close to. But you know, yeah. I like it. I love it. I'm here for it. Let's let's hear what these <laughs> bastards did. Yes. Okay. The reason I had found this group was because they had made their way back into headlines pretty recently, um, as their leader Anne Hamilton Burns actually died in 2019. She passed in a nursing home with dementia at the age of 97. She never mit- admitted to any wrongdoing at all, and even worse, she never served any time for the horrible crimes that she committed. I was just about to say, did she die in a nursing home? She did. Not in jail. Not in jail. Or in the woods in a cabin, remotely isolated, running from the law. No, she's the the law knew where she was. They interviewed her. They knew exactly where she was. Oh, okay. All right. She was not running. Okay. The, the law had dealt with her. Okay. So. All right. Yeah. No, like you like you said, these questions these questions are all questions that I had as well. <laughs> so for the sake of you and for the spookery, I dove in and I had to figure out what the heck happened here because please something doesn't sound right. No. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So for those of myself that, like myself that were not aware, the family was an Australian New Age cult led by the dangerous and charismatic Anne Hamilton Byrne. The group was formed in the 1960s and continued in almost total secrecy for almost two decades, quietly hidden away in the countryside of Melbourne. So she's an Australian cult. Okay, so maybe I'm, I'm thinking I'm getting this confused with the vegan cult, which I think also was called oh, the family. Well, they also kind of dabbled in veganism a little bit, too. Um, so maybe this is, I don't know. As we get into it, you might hear, hear some names that you recognize and go, yes, this is maybe the cult. I'm, I'm surprised that it was a woman cult leader as well, because that's not, that's not common. No, she's one of the only one. That was another reason that I picked this case was because it was so unique. I have never heard of this before. I have never heard of her. She just, this entire case baffled me. It was so, so unique. Okay. All right. Um, Shout out to you, Melbourne. So, this, one's, this one's going to you. <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly, I am a little like excited a little bit that you haven't heard of this one because I get to teach you something. And you, you cults is your thing. So I get, I picked one you didn't know. It's kind of cool. so excited. And it's an Australian uh, one. So it's, an, it's our, is this our first? No, it's not technically our first international, but it is our first Australian case. So congratulations. It is. It is. Yes. I, yeah, I'm kind of excited about that. There's going to be a lot of things that I mispronounced. So I'm excited. Right. Well, we'll Let's, just, <laughs> we'll call our local Australian and be like, hey, so sorry. How yeah. <laughs> I put a lot of um, pronunciations in the in the uh, episode for myself, so hopefully I'll be able to <laughs> do my best. But it takes me a running start. On I love it. I'm so here for so. it. Um, <laughs> all right, let's go. All right. So to we'll get into it and to learn about more about what the family did. Um, so during these two decades that they operated, um, they managed to collect 28 children through bogus adoptions and quote-unquote gifts from their followers, dressing these children in identical clothes and bleaching their hair platinum. These children were subjected to horrible beatings, starvation, and emotional torture in order to keep them under control. The family's motto was unseen, unknown, unheard. Oh, that's not good. So they did, nope, they did a very, very good job of just completely staying off the radar. Um, so yeah, a lot. Of, I know for a lot of people, the, like myself, the first question is how? How does any group operate in total secrecy for almost two decades, let alone a group committing heinous acts like this? Um, to answer that, we do need a little bit of context about Anne Hamilton Byrne herself. Um, every villain has an origin story, right? Mm-hmm. Gotta have the so, context. Exactly, the context. You just love it. So, uh... <laughs> 
Before she became the infamous Anne Hamilton Byrne, she was plain old Evelyn Edwards from country Victoria. Uh, born in Sale, a city just two hours east of Melbourne in 1921, she grew up in what were described as strange and unsettled circumstances. She was the oldest of seven, and their hometown okay. was just a small farming town with one main street. Can we call her Sevelyn because she was the seventh child? Sevelyn. Oh my <laughs> god. She, she probably ate it. Oh my god. But I'm here for it. So yeah, poor poor little baby Sevelyn. She was basically an orphan herself um, as her parents were just not very present to put it lightly. Yeah. Um, her mother, Florence Hoyle? Holly? Not really sure. H-O-I-L-E? Hoyle. Hoyle. Florence Hoyle. Let's say it like that. Uh was a South Londoner transplanted to Gippsland. Uh, she claimed to be a medium who could speak to the dead, um, but was more well-known in Sale as the lady who set fire to her hair in the street. Oh, okay, um, yeah. She had quite the life. Um, she would spend 27 years in and out of mental hospitals and would end up dying in one. Oh. Uh, so her life was, mm, so it was know, just pretty tragic itself. all around. Yeah. Her father, uh, Ralph Edwards, was honestly no better. He came from inner-city Melbourne and had been discharged from the army during World War II because of poor health. Ralph would banish for long periods of time as well. Um, it was reported that he was on the run from an unpaid war veteran's debt, but I couldn't really confirm that. An unpaid war? Um, I thought they paid war veterans, not the other way around. I, I didn't... It, the, the sentence didn't make sense to me either, so that's why I was like, I couldn't confirm that. Like, I don't really know. But he was on the run from something... It, Maybe his children, because when Evelyn was only three, he did abandon the family completely. Uh, he was living on a fishing port on Victoria's western coast. Uh, when asked, he gave his religion as spiritualist and his number of children as none. Oh, so, so just a yeah, great guy. He, just a fantastic, you know, seven kids that he's just, and he's like, no, those aren't, those kids, not mine. Not mine. Not um, my Evelyn. <clears throat> no. Not my, <laughs> not my <laughs> so, so poor baby Evelyn just did not have a great start to her life. Oh, clearly. Um, so of course, I mean, she yearns for an escape from this life, and so she decided to reinvent herself. As an adult, she would change her name quite regularly. Um, she also began changing her appearance drastically through cosmetic surgery. Okay. Uh, she drove Jaguars and Daimlers. Uh, she wore Chanel wigs and expensive clothes. By the late 1950s, Evelyn had become Anne Hamilton, and she had married her first husband, Lionel Harris. Together, they had one biological baby girl, and the couple had just been cleared to adopt a baby boy from a Bernardo's home. Okay. Which, I guess at the time, was um, a kind of home where people felt like uh, adopted kids would do better under, like, a single house mother instead of, you know, in, like, a big home. But every time I looked up pictures of this, I saw pictures, like, I hundreds of kids standing in front of a house so i'm like i don't know when you say a few yeah i don't uh, um, it's like an overcrowded <laughs> maybe we have different definitions yeah it sounds like, like an overcrowded yeah. like foster situation and maybe they were just like yeah i don't know it's just it's just messy yeah as we will find out adoptions at the time in australia and i'm sure everywhere were just really not handled the best um so we'll I'll, we'll talk more about that later even today i so. think i don't think sometimes adoptions especially when they're coming from foster care they're not always handled the best and you know a lot of kids Agreed. they a lot of kids don't find parents that are good for them, and a lot of parents, you know, they'll they'll pick a kid based on appearance, and it's not a compatible personality, and it's it's just sad. It's, it's such a sad system. It is. It, it is a very very sad system, and uh, the one unfortunate thing about there, the one I guess I don't want to say unfortunate, the one like I guess kind of positive thing about this entire situation was it did shed some light on how bad the system was, yeah. and it, it did end up causing some ripple effects and some changes. Okay, that's in good. The system. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so, uh, everything in, uh, in Anne's life was, uh, kind of going well up until 
one day when Harris was actually heading home to Sydney and was in a bad car accident and died. Oh. Um, so they, you know, were on like the highest of highs and then just the lowest of lows. She has a baby girl, just cleared to adopt a baby boy, and now her, her husband is just gone. So yeah. when you said first husband, I was expecting like plot murder, treason, like cut the brakes, like in oh, for that. No, it was it's sad. Yeah. She she tried she tried to have a good life. She Yeah, so it, it, it sounds it, like she came from bad, tried really hard to, to switch her way to good and then just it's pretty tra- it's, it genuinely is a villain origin story like as I, as I read this I was like man like how do you how do you not just get bitter at life at some point or kind of like snap yeah. not that I'm not that I am sympathizing with Anne because truly some of the things that we are going to go over are, are pretty bad but it, you just got to look at it from a humane perspective of just like this is a human being who just went through some fucking shit up there I own. think we're allowed to sympathize with the person they are before they become the monster so like we're allowed to sympathize Absolutely. with the children we're allowed to sympathize with you know when they're trying their best clawing yeah when she was Sevelyn we were 100% allowed to, to just be like yes this was a good human on the right track and you know life just held, dealt shitty hand after shitty hand after shitty hand but then as soon as they make that conscious choice to become a monster that's when you start being like no not anymore absolutely yeah. Absolutely, and I, like you said, it's it's hard, but I, I do think that separation is necessary in order to, to see the whole situation yeah. and, and have compassion. I think that that's yeah necessary. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Anne's life uh, again was turned upside down, and she was forced to reinvent herself yet again. Um, so like many at the time, the fresh widow turned to a new practice uh, called yoga. Have you heard of it? No. very new practice in the 1960s um and Anne liked it so much that she actually became a yoga teacher uh okay. in melbourne uh the classes she hosted were pretty popular attracting middle-aged wives from wealthier suburbs as well as a rather late large gay male following uh Anne was regarded as a pretty great teacher she was insightful clever and seemed to genuinely care for people um, she provided gay men a safe haven and gave them refuge from Australia's laws against homosexuality, and she offered women meaning in their life away from their unhappy marriages. Even though feminism was on the horizon, this was still during a time when divorce was not really accepted, and she was encouraging women to leave their husbands and join her. So she was kind of making waves. I mean, I'm uh, just thinking, community. like, so far she is, like, the, like, a beautiful human, you know, she's just come from, like, tragedy after tragedy. She's, like, in the 60s, well, no, this isn't in the 60s, is it? This is... This is in the 60s. Oh, yeah, 1960s. So it's in the 60s yeah. where, you know, there's gay persecution. There's, like, yeah. like divorce is, like, taboo. And she's just like, guys, mm-hmm. it's fine. I would have been like, man, let's make her president. No wonder oh, she right. became and, a cult leader. Like, no wonder. And Hamilton. Yeah, no, people really, really liked her. Like, so much, like you said, pe- these were the people that came her first, like, devotees. Like, they were, like, so for Anne. They were, like you said, Anne for president. Like, yeah, no, she like, was just great. Like, so far, I'm hearing no issues, and I'm just like, I know it's gonna go spiral out of control, but, like, man, like, the good she could have done if she just... It's... Like, if just, like... So I'm sure there's a, there was a, there was a trigger later, and I'm sure it's gonna happen. But, like, man, like... Ah, uh, so close. It's... It was... It really was right there. And not only was she, like you said, a... a kind of a beautiful person at the beginning, but she was beautiful on the outside, too. I mean, people talked about her looks constantly. I, I plan to put some pictures of her before and after, like, but these cosmetic surgeries that she got, for the 1960s, I mean, they were pretty well-done surgeries. Mm. She really did come out looking pretty pretty stunning, yeah. honestly. We, we can post those um, on Instagram, those before and after pictures. We'll, we'll stick them on yeah, there. Yeah, like... And I mean, like, she wasn't ugly before. Evelyn herself was a very pretty woman, and then she just kind of, like turned it up a notch i guess mm. so a right. little little interesting um yeah 
So with, you know, with the power, like you said, that she had and her beauty with the newly gained influence, Anne continu continued to host her yoga classes, but also started to spread fresh ideals as well. Anne's beliefs were not unlike a lot of cult leaders, actually. The basis of her philosophy was that she was the reincarnation of Jesus Christ, and there, basically a living God. There it is. She It just went straight to her head, and she was like, yeah, people like me so much, and I am doing so much good. I am literally Jesus. I am literally Jesus Christ. He is talking through me. I am saving people left and right bow down to me it's it, it's well, once again like I think it, it's crazy that she was a woman and she was founding this and people were like yeah yeah all right she she really like you said it's it's kind of nuts that people just ate this up yeah I mean good good for Australia I guess get yourself a woman Jesus sure yeah it's, yeah. the, it's the, I mean, if she would if she would have continued to do good it would have been a good thing yeah she um, was just singing she, out there Depeche Mode your own personal <laughs> Jesus <laughs> And she was like, you guys haven't heard of Depeche Mode yet, but it's going to be real big in the 80s, let me it's tell you. <laughs> Give me 20 years. Oh I don't know gosh. what she sounded like, but I'm going to make an assumption. <laughs> so, we'll get to that. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so what she preached uh, was basically a hybrid of New Age philosophy, Christianity, Hinduism, mixed with, an, with other Eastern and Western religions, all wrapped up with the cosmic promise of karmic cleansing and immortality. And she called it so, Live, Laugh, Love. <laughs> <laughs> and she wrote it on her wall and framed it. And everyone was like, wow. And it sold millions. <laughs> it sold millions. <gasps> oh my gosh. Uh, she, she basically, through this Live, Laugh, Love, you know, guarantee, she started, she she guaranteed the ability to start anew in another realm after your earthly death. Uh, this began to later evolve into preachings of apop apocalyptic doomsday scenarios, of, of course, as it does. Right. You know, Okay. not only am I Jesus, but there's a doomsday coming, and who can be your savior? But I. I have the answer. I have your salvation. And so she explained the answer was fairly simple, actually. It was children. Children they needed to collect. They would be the saved ones who would guide the planet to peace. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't think she got that right. Um, <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm waiting for the trigger because, like, she was like she was good, and then it, it just it just took a really abrupt doctor. Like, I wonder if something happened where, like, someone or like a specific thing triggered, like, where it's it went from like I'm just a yoga teacher and I'm helping these people be get empowered to, ah, uh, I could be the next god incarnate. Bow before me on your yoga mats. Well, as we will find out, a really big thing in the 1960s at the time was LSD. And so, Are you saying this was just a really bad drug trip? It's... <laughs> Your face says enough. <laughs> you were so disappointed. You're like... <laughs> it's possible. It is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, okay. Yeah, no, LSD, mushrooms... It was all very popular at the time, so there wasn't there wasn't a specific trigger that was like documented, but I'm sure there was something. I'm sure, yeah. Whether in her brain it was considered good or bad, a trip happened. She came out the other side of that as a different person. Yeah, so. I guess it was just enough trauma kind of built up, and then effects of drugs combined with all of a sudden this undying admiration for her that she probably had never had in her life. She went from being completely ignored as a child to all of a sudden doing good things and people were like lining up to see her coming back weekly, like day mm -hmm. after day to come to these classes and listen to what she was saying. 
And and I wonder if the the kid thing, you know, she's she's one of seven, possibly more. She was Sevelyn. Um so, you know, being surrounded by other kids, but also being neglected, and possibly being neglected by your siblings who are also kids, that could be a, could have been a, some sort of trigger. And then maybe, you know, later on, you know, she was going to adopt the baby boy, so she had a daughter, and so, so she had this kind of, like, mental idea where she wanted to be surrounded by children, but then, like, that got kind of denied because she lost her husband. It's so, like, I wonder if, like, something manifested that way. I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't know. I'm speculating. Don't come for me. But no, you're like you said. These are all things that I, I'm I'm happy to talk about because there honestly there are no answers for any of these things. Yeah, there. This case is very uh, like undocumented to be honest with you. This the entire events of this and even what happened with Anne prior to the start of this cult goes very goes very deep. But it also is just not written. It it is not there for us to research and and talk about because. And kind of went into this, like, as she became older, she said she had dementia, and she did. But she also would kind of just hide. She would go into these, like, states of just not talking to people, and she would just withdraw into herself. Mm. Uh, so she did not offer a lot of information. Right. Uh, and so then, yeah, it's but really that, hard on to top pinpoint. of drug abuse, I'm sure. Yeah. It's just, yeah, you don't know. Yeah. I we don't know. know. I want to know. Right? Yeah, no, it's, it, that's why this case is so interesting. It's just, what the fuck? Yeah. It really falls into a lot of categories as far as, like you said, it, 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 I got cults as my category, but it is a what the fuck case. And as we will find out, it falls into many more categories. Oh, I'm so excited. All right, lay it on me. <laughs> um, so she continued to rec- recruit more and more followers through her yoga classes, and she started to make powerful connections in the spiritualist community. Uh, you see, at the time, spiritualism was also starting to become popular in scientific circles, allowing Anne to spread her influence to even a wider audience. So this is not the same um, spiritualism as uh, that I that I covered in uh, my Ouija board episode. It's, it's a different kind of spiritualism. A little bit different because it's in Australia, so their times and their religion and stuff like that were just not exactly the same as ours. But it was based on a lot of like Western philosophies and stuff like that, so it did kind of come from. Okay, so what we're saying here? is Ouija boards are at fault. It's it kind of it all stems from that. So the first episode that we did was fantastic because it shows you it really <laughs> does affect every. It, they curse the world. Yeah. So thanks, here we Ouija are. boards. Thanks, thanks Hasbro. Yeah. Thanks, Hasbro. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's like our new thanks, Obama. Thanks, thanks Hasbro. Hasbro. Oh my god. Uh, good old Hasbro. <laughs> We're watching you. Still no changes, by the way. Still no changes. Oh my god. One day, we'll have an update um, on that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I'm watching you. So, Anne continued to spread her influence, and in 1962, she would make one of her most important connections yet. Uh, through acquaintances at the University of Melbourne, she was informed of a certain Dr. Rainer Johnson, the head of the Queen's College. Johnson was a 61-year-old accomplished academic on the tail end of an amazing career in physics. As the doctor was approaching retirement, he had an urge to dabble in religion and mysticism, and he was looking for a master to guide him on a journey into deep spiritualism. And who better to do that but Jesus Christ herself. Yeah. And Anne, the flesh. Anne Hamilton. Yeah. yeah. So, one fateful Saturday, Anne rang the doctor's doorbell. A day of destiny, he wrote in his diary. From that moment he met her, or from the moment he met her, Johnson was enamored with Anne and basically began worshipping her immediately. Only six months later, Johnson was initiated into Anne's cult. Eager to prove himself worthy, the doctor had no problem ingesting hallucinogenic drugs, either LSD or mushrooms, uh, which he actually called sacred mana in his diary. 
Uh, he also later described his initiation, writing, Her face became divinely beautiful and with sublime authority. He wrote that she was unquestionably the wisest and serenest and the most gracious and generous soul I have ever met. Right. So he was absolutely smitten. Did I mention this guy was married? No, that you failed to mention that part. I was just like, wow, okay, like uh, single and ready to mingle. College professors like, I'm looking for a love guru, and she's like, bang, own personal Jesus, come here, Depeche Mode. Nope, didn't mention the married thing. <laughs> yeah, no, he didn't either. Oh, um, well, okay, yeah, well, of course he didn't. He was worshiping his own personal Jesus. No, he eventually, eventually, the wife got introduced to, and she became part of the cult too. Oh, so cool! It's a whole, so it's couples, the whole, the yeah. whole family. Yeah, it was you know. a family fun time. Come on down uh-huh. to, to Ant's farm. She got to give us some couples therapy. She give us some, <laughs> some dabber dog. And then she got to give us some shrooms. We're gonna trip balls. Oh my gosh, that's but that's in Australia, what the, what the billboard said. It's like you saw it. <laughs> that's exactly how they advertise. Um, <laughs> Jeez. So, uh, but yes, her beauty, this was something that many of her followers commented on frequently. They were mesmerized by her words just as much as they were by her beauty. According to them, much of her power actually lay in her striking eyes. She continued to get numerous facelifts throughout her reign to keep up the illusion of immortality, and it clearly did the job. Yeah. Uh, and like I said before, definitely going to put some of those before and after photos up because, uh, yeah, I, I want, mean, she... I'm going to look up a picture of her. I'm going to give myself a reference while you're, while you're talking. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, she went as far as to get these done for years to the point she, she was tricking people into thinking that she was having children way past her birthing years because she just looked so young. And Anne Hamilton. Yeah. Anne Hamilton. Oh she is actually, she's very beautiful. I know. Damn, like you said, girl. Like you, you think about, you know, cosmetic surgeries in the 1960s probably really weren't the best, but no, somehow. She, she was a 60s bombshell. Oh, she's wearing a big hat. I'm I'm in. <laughs> she, oh, I know exactly what photo you're looking at. Yep, I'm in. She looks like Lana Del Rey in that photo. A little bit, yeah. It she, looks like a Lana Del Rey album cover. It really, that's a nice hat. I'd wear that hat. <laughs> it's the whole outfit. Like, it's very aesthetic. I, yeah, wow. Um, yeah, and took her aesthetic very seriously, as, as we see. Um, so, anywho, back to Dr. Rayner. Um... After he was initiated, he was given the name uh, John the Baptist, and Anne would use him and his connections in order to give her cult respectability in the community. Of course, you, if you join a cult, you gotta get a new name. Uh, yep, yeah, of course. And she was like, perfect, I got a doctor in my pocket, my cult is legit, let's go. We got the, the little blue tick next to our name. Let's go. <laughs> Twitter verified, let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's, we are verified. Um, so The science is there. Lo- it, it, it literally because they have the doctor. Um, so a lot of the cult's early members were recruited from the New Haven Clinic and from Dr. Johnson's own personal council of adult education. Uh, these people were wealthy, new age seeking professionals that even included psychiatrists, lawyers, and social workers. It was estimated that a quarter of the group was nurses and other medical professionals. Wow, I'm so I'm kind of surprised. It's unbelievable like you said the the things that it like you're like wow a woman that started a cult and then people took her seriously as jesus and then she went as far as to like not only get followers but like like well off followers yeah, like people like, that like she took over the medical field in the community with yoga <laughs> with yoga the most powerful tool apparently that Just, downward dog was powerful I yeah. I'm. This is why I'm never gonna try it. Not even once. Not even that yoga. Not even once. <laughs> yoga. Not even once. <laughs> Gives you the brain scam, please. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yoga is the enemy. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> so the <laughs> Uh, oh dear. <laughs> uh, okay. So the clinics and hospitals served not only as a great place to recruit, but also a great place to get drugs. Uh, new members to the group were put through their own intense initiation ceremonies, being treated with hallucinogenic drugs just like Rainer. One of the original members actually it experienced a very uh, extreme initiation, where not only was he given LSD, but he was also put through electroconvulsive therapy Ooh. and even given two lobotomies. As an initiation, he was lobotomized? What the fuck? I don't understand how that was, like an, like you said, an initiation, but it happened, and people were down with it. People just went with that. Oh. People in the medical community were just like, alright, we're rolling with Anne. Okay. Yeah. It, it really speaks to just the absurdity of this entire I, situation. Yeah, just how did we spiral? I just, like, I want to know when Looney Town began. I just want to know when people were like, you know what? Ice pick lobotomy, let's go. That seems she, like a, that seems like the thing to do. Uh, yeah, I, I, tr- I truly could not explain it. She just, she had a way with people. I she guess. had a very, very, very weird way. But a, a way to connect with people. I just, yeah, I just, I don't know, like where the influence came from. It's like it's not like you know she she had the like finances or backing on her side. She didn't, she wasn't like politically endorsed. She wasn't. She just was like, hey, medical professional people, I come over, come down to have some yogurt and do some yoga, and we're gonna lobotomize at three p.m. Hope you're down. So a big part of it really was the LSD because during these LSD trips, she would speak to these these people that were tripping, and she would really instill in them she would she would speak to them as if she was jesus and and, you know claims all of these things she was told you will follow me and you will only follow me and they listened she brainwashed these people as they were tripping yeah i guess fear of god Uh, and it worked yeah it worked yeah so the, the group as well as her influence continued to grow and soon they needed to expand so in 1964 only four years later johnson and his wife who he was still with like I said, he had a wife this entire time. Yeah. They used their money to purchase a land in Fernie Creek, Victoria. Mm-hmm. They're like, yep, for Jesus, let's do it. Here we go. So here on that land, they constructed the Santina Kedden Lodge, which became the headquarters of the family. This is where Anne held her weekly meditation sessions, but also started to give sermons or discourses, as she called them. Uh, this was conducted from a purple throne room in a specialty lodge funded by donations. So, what so like every other church. I was about to say, like, so what you're saying is that she met her followers on Discord and then met up on Twitch and then streamed to her followers and asked for donations. I'm figuring exactly it out. What I've put it together. I'm on to you, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> oh, God. oh, God. Can you imagine? I would, it just cults in Twitch, like... It all comes back to Twitch. It's all comes back to Twitch. Twitch. It's all all connected. And they're all insured by Travelers (laughs) Insurance. So, and through the cult's outreach, uh, she would meet many people. It was rumored at one point that she married again to a man named Michael Riley. And this guy, he was either a South African naval officer or a gardener at Queen's College. No in-between. He was at the one (laughs) or the other. The reports that I found were inconsistent. And those were the only two descriptions I could find of him were either a South African naval officer or a gardener at Queen's College. Maybe both? And he, maybe both. I mean, yeah, why not both? I like your theory. That's yeah, good. Why maybe not both? both? <laughs> maybe both. Yeah. Honestly, we're not going to put Michael Riley in a box. That man could be both. Yeah. Um, he honestly he had so much going on that, of course, the marriage didn't last. And um, 
Yeah, he's too busy. Yeah, I, I really could not find. <laughs> I really could not find any more information on him. Okay. So that was, she had. That was just her second husband. I had to include him because mm-hmm. it wouldn't make sense to be like oh, her third husband. Well, yeah. Well, so then two. she would. <laughs> yeah. So then she would go on to meet a name named Bill Byrne, who becomes her partner and eventually her third husband. All right. Now I really couldn't find much more on Bill either, um, other than he was the second half of Hamilton Byrne. Um, other than that, he was described as a handsome, rich, compliant handbag. Um, so maybe that's all we need to know about yeah, him. Yeah, he hold like, I mean, that's all you need, right? Women just need, they need a pocket, they need, like, a wallet, and that's it. Like, you know, you're good. <laughs> By the third husband, Anne knew what she needed, and she found that, and she was good. That yeah. was, that was her last husband, so she knew. Yeah, yeah she, he's holding her keys, and he's buying her nice things. <laughs> I think that's pretty much what happened. Good for him. Yeah, live, live, yeah. Your, live, live your best life, Mr. Byrne. <laughs> So Anne gets married. She she and uh, Mr. Burns, Hamilton Burns, they they adopt that name together. They're the ones running the show of the family. Uh, they have this big property that they just acquired, um, and things kind of started to get serious. Only about four years later, in 1968, Anne's prophecy started to unfold, and she was able to bring the first of the children to the property. Some of the children were natural children of the members of the family, and others were obtained through irregular adoptions. Um, so I, I kind of put a note here because... I don't know if y'all remember what happened to Anne's daughter. Like, where is she during this entire yeah, thing? Yeah, I was gonna about to ask. Like, is is her daughter? Like, how does she feel I, about all this? I don't really know either. The I found one little tidbit. Wasn't really sure if it was accurate. It said that she was an adult during the time that her mom started all these cult like cults. She was just an adult child off doing her own thing. So her mom's out here starting a cult, and she's just like, yeah, my crazy mom. Her like boyfriend asks, you know, to meet her parents, and she's like, yeah, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not. Meet, you can't meet Jesus. I'm sorry. <laughs> and yeah, literally. So I, I don't really know. I just thought that was kind of interesting. And she's the adoption. She, she apparently raised a kid and then continues yeah. to go on to do this. And the adoption for the baby boy never went through, did it? It did not. Okay. I just, uh, yeah, I wasn't sure. No, but it, it is a little bit of a chilling foreshadowing yeah. to the events to come. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, not only was adoption poorly regulated in Australia at the time, but unmarried mothers still held certain social stigmas, which led to some very shoddy adoptions. Um, Also, Anne had a very fast-growing network of well-connected followers, which we talked about, in the medical community, and it was almost kind of too easy for her to acquire these infants. Uh, Lex DeMann, a senior detective, said, You had babies born in cult hospitals, delivered by cult midwives, handed over to cult social workers. And that's exactly what it was. It was just an evil system that unfortunately worked way too well for her. Wow. It, it basically is just like, it's just a weed in the medical system, essentially. Just, she just, she just had this channel and yeah, she only needed a couple, but like it was enough. It was one, it was one too many. Yeah. It literally, she, it's, it's unreal how easy it was for her to just do this. So, the children's identities were changed immediately using false birth certificates. They were dressed identically, even going so far as to dyeing their hair that platinum blonde. They all were given the same surname, Hamilton Byrne, and then they were sent to the Kailama property, uh, which was a rural property surrounded by barbed wire fence that was usually referred to as Up Top. Uh, this was by Lake Eldon, E I L D O N, near the town. Eldon? 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 Um, so another weird thing is Lake, Lake Alden is apparently a pretty popular tourist destination. So during the two or the, you know, two decades that this was happening, thousands of people were reportedly just 300 kilometers away from what was happening and no one saw or heard anything. So they, they built, they basically built a children's concentration camp is what I'm hearing. That's exactly what it was. What the fuck? Yeah. They had these kids trained to where when people came to the house 
whether it be any sort of a stranger, a police officer, just, just someone coming up to the house, they had secret passages carved out in closets so all 28 children could pile inside the walls and hide oh from God. anyone coming to the home. Oh, they were so trained sad. immediately the minute they heard a knock at the door to scramble inside this. Oh, those poor it, muffins. I'm so sorry. It was pretty bad. Uh, yeah. So the children would be uh, kept out on the lakeside property in seclusion and homeschooled. The kids were told that Anne Hamilton Byrne was their biological mother. She told them that they were all related and even faked multiple pregnancies using homemade smocks. Uh, she was very committed to the bit. What the fuck? Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was crazy. All right. You lost all your cool so, points, Anne. Yeah. It's, it's like you said, it's all, it's all downhill from here. She's the monster at this point. It's very bad. Oh, God. So not only did the children believe that she was Jesus, but she also came from royalty and even owned multiple castles throughout Europe. So she just painted herself as this fantastical being who just, you know, they, they, one of the kids even claimed that they, they thought of her higher as, than the Queen of England. Like, she was wow. literally, like, just up there as, like, the being. And that's their mom. Jesus Christ. So, so not only is this woman God and everything else in your world, but aren't you lucky that she's your mom? Yeah, like, wow, and especially if you're, you know, that's all you've known. That's all you've known. You've never known anybody else. You've never known another person. You've never known your, your biological mother. You've just been taken. You've been whisked away by this fucking cult social worker. Like, what are you supposed to believe? And God, when the walls come crashing down, I'm sure those fucking kids just, like, they lost it. She instilled in them that they would survive the end of the world and that they would become the new master race. So they were completely brainwashed. And they didn't even know that the, the, the hair dye, and like they don't know what they actually no, look like. None of them. And it's and they're uh, all given different oh names, my. and they're all like uh, they're called different things constantly. She would change their names. She would pair them up differently. She would decide, okay, today you're you know this week you're gonna be you you and Evelyn are twins. Oh no, actually you're triplets with Joshua and Matthew. Oh. So, like, these kids had no... There was no stability. I mean, like, she changed She changed the narrative constantly, too. So that was also yeah. confusing. And, of course, like, if, if you're only exposed to that, you're not exposed to any other kids and how they interact with, like, actual adults. And like, and you're like, oh, everyone must do this. Like, everyone changes their names every couple weeks. And everyone does yep. this. And everyone's suddenly a triplet. Everyone's suddenly a twin. Everyone's suddenly... Not only did she do that with the children, she did this with married couples. She would... She would go to married couples and say, actually... You are no longer, you are going to go, this this man is going to go live with this woman, actually, and this woman is going to go live with this man, and this person is going to go. So she was basically, she was playing matchmaker. She was playing God. She was God. Wow. God. And it's like, you mentioned, like, oh, man. And they, that, oh, I, that's why, like, cults are so infuriating, because, like, married couples do go, and they, and they always get split up, and they're always split up somehow, yeah. and it's just like, it's. Ugh. It's very, very bad. Even eventually, I believe Dr. Rayner and his wife, it sounded like they got split up. One of the children was Dr. Rayner's own daughter. What? He just willingly gave her to Anne. This man is so smitten with his own personal Jesus. You know, like... But he wasn't the only one. Several other cult members, two lawyers, you know, all these people were just, take, take my baby. Oh my god. But I'm like, I'm sure that part of that influence was because that doctor was smitten with, with, with Anne. Absolutely. And and she was like, oh well, let me make it a doctrine within the the church, and then I can do it to everyone, and then it won't be yep. weird that I do it just yep. to you. Just yeah. that, like yeah. that power just went to her head 
immediately. Man. Immediately. The LSD and the power, mm. it's just not a good not a good mix. The power of shrooms <laughs> and the power of God compels you. That's that's basically what happened. Um, so jokes aside, I am going to go ahead and do a quick little trigger warning. Um, these next few paragraphs here are where I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about the child abuse. Um, it's not the most fun to listen to, but it does contribute to the narrative. So I think it's worth mentioning. So I just want to make sure that people are in the right headspace before moving forward. Or if you want to skip it entirely, yeah. you can do that too. And we will mark the time to do that. All right. Yeah. I'll put it in the yes. show notes. Thank you. Um, so though Anne's goal was to create the quote-unquote perfect family, she had no interest in actually caring or loving any of these children herself. Uh, she cared, she, or they were cared for by members of the cult who were referred to as aunties and uncles. Uh, though cared for is a very loose term here, they were denied almost all access to the outside world, just like you said, and they were abused in some of the most horrendous ways imaginable. They were beaten and often starved for days at a time for just minor transgressions, such as setting, just such as getting their clothes dirty or forgetting to turn off a light. If Anne was present while well, any of the children did step out of line, she would often beat them herself, her favorite weapon being a stiletto shoe. Uh, she hit them with a fucking stiletto? With the, the, yep. Oh my fucking god! One of the children described um, a beating so terrible for several minutes that Anne herself got tired and actually handed the shoe off to another cult member to continue beating her. What the fuck? It was pretty abhorrent. Oh my god. Oh god, the stiletto can do so much damage. Oh my god. Absolutely. uh, Oh, that poor, poor muffin. I'm so sad. it, It is really, really sad. Um... These middle-aged women, the aunties, honestly only acted out of their own fear for the placement within the organization, knowing that if any of them dared to question Anne, they would probably get similar punishment. So it's oh my it, God. it was terrible, just people acting out of fear, just committing horrible crimes. Yeah, Jesus fucking <clears throat> Christ. One of the children, Sarah, would later describe their unwavering daily unwavering daily routine. The children woke up at 6 a.m., made their beds. The boys and girls would shower on alternating days. Then there would be an hour of yoga, 15 minutes listening to Anne's sermons, 15 minutes of mantra chanting, 15 minutes of meditation, and then 15 minutes to set up the schoolroom. Oh my god. Breakfast would be at least two hours after they woke up and would consist of only fruit. After they ate breakfast, they went right into their homeschooling. They would study for three hours with only a short break halfway through. Then they would do another hour of meditation, or if they were lucky, they would get to play space ball, which was a game that was invented by Anne specifically to be boring. Space ball? I'm assuming it was like baseball's boring counterpart? I, there wasn't actually a description of what it was, only that it, she specifically designed this game to be boring. And I'm like, that just is the word. Like, what? Like, that's, like, the one yeah. thing. Like, you, you're like, we're gonna play a game, and you make it, like, the shittiest game ever. Like, what the fuck? I mean, I mean, in fairness, British people watch cricket, and we think it's fun, so, like... <laughs> that's, yeah, I, we, we all have different definitions of boring, right? Yeah. So that's the one. I'm sure, I mean, but, like, I'm sure, like, you know, it may have been designed to be boring, but I'm sure the kids actually got a little bit of enjoyment out of it, because it was, quote-unquote, a game. And comparative, they, don't, they don't know what anything else is, so if that's the only source of enjoyment that they are receiving, to them, that's, I'm sure Spaceball was a light in the day, to be honest And I'm sure you. if there was nobody watching, I'm sure the rules got bent a little bit to kind of, like, oh, oh, like, yeah. oh let's, 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 let's spice it up, let's... Right? Let's only look at the fence for two minutes and then turn around. <laughs> I, I would hope so, honestly. I do. Kids yeah. do find ways to make things enjoyable, even in the most dire of circumstances. So, 
even yeah. though the situation was absolutely grim, you gotta hope that, like you said, they, yeah, they did what they could they, to make it bearable. Yeah, without like without even knowing, I'm sure, like I really really hope that they they found a way to stay sane, and so that when you know that, that those walls came crumbling down, when they realized that oh shit, we're being abused, they were able to kind of. Recover is not the right word, but just being able to to transition from that lifestyle yeah. to to what what they were were cheated from, what, like what the real like the outside world. I won't say the yeah, real world. To that's acclimate. Yeah, essentially, like, I hope that they they were given those cushions yeah. throughout that the the trauma to to be able. Like, obviously, like, there's going to be trauma that they bring with them, but I hope that they had the, those moments to just kind of yeah. It seemed like from what from what the research I did, there wasn't a lot of the children that were in the spotlight. Understandably, I think they, you know, they're minors. I think a lot of them were either taken to their yeah. initial families, like, or found home somewhere else. But it, the ones that did somewhat stay in the spotlight and that you know their histories were recorded, it did seem like some of them did fairly well. And we'll and we'll talk about some of them because we were we are not going to end this on a negative note. I promise. Okay, I love it. Thank yes, you. absolutely. I would not do that to you. Would not do that to the podcast, no, no. Appreciate uh, you, ma'am. Absolutely. So, after a boring space fall, they would then eat a small lunch of more fruit and steamed vegetables, uh, then back to school for another three rigorous hours with one short break, and then they packed up the schoolroom. From 5 to 9 p.m. for four hours, it was expected that the children meditated, ate another bland vegetable meal, studied spiritual texts, and did their homework before going to bed. So they had a very, very strict daily routine. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, it was yeah unwavering, as Sarah put it. I'm sure so many of them were malnourished as well. If you're only eating fruits and steamed vegetables, like that's yeah, one of the biggest reasons Anne was able to maintain control over such a large group of people was because of their diet. Actually, um, she had the children doing weekly weigh-ins, and if it seemed like they were gaining too much weight, she would cut back their diet. What kind of fucking cruise ship bullshit is this? Just. Fucking. We cruise ships used to. Uh, the, I don't know if they. I mean, they probably still do it, but they they weigh their dancers. So dancers and cast. Yeah, they they have weekly. Or was it bi-weekly weigh-ins? And you you would weigh in the cast. Yeah, and if the cast member was, I think it, it was like a five pound or three pound. I can't remember what the actual thing is because I wasn't there for them. But yeah, they would get weighed, and if they were over they were told they have to cut back or they get removed from the cruise ship and if they were under they had told her like you need to eat more because you're obviously not taking care of yourself wow and yeah it was it was awful and it was yeah and they it was like done by the the like it was just like all of shoreside would come over and be like yeah like you need to like make sure you maintain the perfect weight because your costumes are tailored to you and if you fluctuate even a little bit you'll never fit your costumes and then you'll 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 you'll, we'll fire you wow and it was just like yeah it was so i'm like yeah oh gosh didn't mean to bring back some uh, memories there i'm sorry no i mean i mean i, I wasn't a dancer so but i was aware of it and of course i was friends with these people and they would always come back after the weigh-ins going like oh man I, I'm, I'm four pounds and i'm over it i'm like oh jeez yeah I, I can only imagine and that's you know what this was on just like the, the highest of of scales um the, like you said actually the girls particularly hated this and several of them would even try to induce vomiting the morning of the weigh-ins so these young adolescent girls not even adolescent pre-adolescent girls or is that the right word pre-adolescent yeah yeah i don't know um just young girls right. <laughs> are sitting there you know starving themselves making themselves throw up basically it's just like you grow like you're growing your children like you're going to put on weight 
and like your puberty hits, you know, you're going to develop parts of you that weren't there before and you're going to put on weight. Like it's just, that's gets getting older and it's just like, oh, these poor muffins. Like you had even commented when these children finally were rescued, it was, that was one of the things that was commented on how small some, they thought, they picked up this one girl and they thought she was a five-year-old girl. She was 12. <gasps> she was 12 years old. Oh my fucking God. She was the size of a five-year-old girl. Oh, Muffin, I'm so sorry. It was pretty bad. Oh, my God. Um, she did this with the adults, too. Um, starving people made them weak, and therefore made it extremely hard for them to fight back. And as if they're taking, like, big amounts of drugs as well, if, like, the dosage of, of shrooms and LSD is high, and they're not... They're, they're malnourished, and they're not, like... It's like you're reading my nothing. script. You were going into the I'm next. so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about it in the same time I put my science hat back on. No, it's true. <laughs> so, like you said, in addition to all of this, the children were frequently given small doses of psychiatric drugs from a fairly young age. How- I, d- I didn't think she drugged the children, too. Oh, my It only God. gets worse. This is the final... The final cherry on top before we get out of the child abuse, so. Oh, God. However, once they reach adolescence, usually around 14, they were subjected to their own initiations, usually involving psychedelic drugs that were just as harsh as the adults. While under the influence of drugs, the children would be left alone in dark room for several days. The only times that they would be visited um, by Anne or other members of the cult was when they were forced to admit their sins and basically forced to submit themselves to Anne and accept her as their god. These effects were catastrophic on the young teens' brains. Uh, the prolonged doses caused all sorts of mental problems, ranging from depression, personality changes, nightmares, social withdrawal for sometimes months afterward. Some of them never recovered from the tortures they endured. Um, some of the personal accounts that I read during this research were truly unfathomable. It was... Oh my fucking God. It was really bad. Did they give a number of how many kids there were? Um, all in all, there was 28 children that came through the house. 28 fucking kids just yeah unreal unreal god damn it Anne. so i do promise that is the end of the awful child abuse and we will move on with just more about the cult in general um this is where if you were trying to skip past it you're this is a good place to come back to right here we're gonna... welcome back skippers it's so yeah, nice to see you nice to see you guys yeah nothing happened we're just moving yeah. right along um i actually yeah. labeled this next part the cult keeps growing and it doesn't stop growing um because it just you know that's basically what happened it just kept going it just kept going. It just kept going. Um, so despite the cult hiding all of these atrocities behind closed doors, they still managed to maintain a fairly active social presence, both locally and internationally. Anne was still into her yoga, and for a while she developed a connection to the Siddha Yoga Movement, another spiritual movement with its own special blend of Eastern philosophies and yoga. Anne received a Shaktipat initiation, which in Hinduism refers to the transmission of spiritual energy upon one person by another or directly from a deity. So especially because she was being endorsed by other gurus. She sure was from Swami Muktananda. He gave her a blessing and gave her the Sanskrit named Ma Yoga Shakti and welcomed her into his spiritual monastery. Oh my God. Not only did she visit the U.S. in the Catskills in New York, but she decided to take the children with her. She brought her. She brought her twenty-eight children with her. Not all twenty-eight, but a few of them. Just her favorites. But it's just it. Blo- it blows my mind that this woman was able to travel with stolen children into the U.S. Yeah, all with bleach blonde hair in cultish robes. Yep. 
did she fly? Was she, did she take a boat? Do we know? Uh, I, I don't actually know how they they traveled. I'm assuming they, they flew. They they took intense drugs and they were just there. They just all of a sudden were there. I mean, yeah, yeah I don't know. Um, wow. But yeah, so Anne was invited by Muktananda to stay with him at his spiritual monastery at South Fallsburg, New York, in the Catskill Mountains. Uh, she did decide to take some of the children with her, and it seemed that she really loved the place because she would end up purchasing a property nearby as her own base in the U.S., uh, which we'll come back to. Uh, wow, because now it's an international cult. It's not just there. She had places in Hawaii, in Britain. She had places all over. Wow. It, it's kind of crazy, actually. This is undo- is undocumented. It's all undocumented. No one knows this shit's going on. Oh because it's not all under her name. She has lawyers and doctors and other well-connected people who can buy these things for her and then just gift them to her. And they're like, Anne, this is at your full disposal. Please, my lord and savior, Anne, please use me. Oh, my God. It, yeah, classic cult leader, I guess. It, it, she really... She did a number on these people. Wow. Poor people. Yeah. Well, on one of these trips um, with Maktananda, one of the more well-known children that we talked about before, Sarah, recalled how Maktananda would give their group a private audience at least once a week. He once asked the children if they would like to leave the family and live with him in India. The children all gave an enthusiastic yes, and later they were punished severely by Anne for their disloyalty. This was not the last time that Sarah Hamilton Byrne would be called a cause of trouble for Anne. She's wait, wait, what's the angle for the Swami to say that? Like, what, he's just like, oh, do you want to join my movement instead? Or is it just, like, so I, a test of loyalty? I think it was a little bit of a test of loyalty. Um, I'm not 100% sure. Sarah described, too, it was very strange because he, one of the other uh, Swamis actually got, like, initiated into the family cult. And she, she like, started to kind of take some of his people a little bit. And she's like, why... Would people want to come into this place where we are all miserable when everyone seems so happy here? Like, it, even a kid is just like, it just doesn't make sense to me. So it just, I, it was baffling. And I, I have no answer for you. I have no idea. There was just something about her that drew people in. I, yeah, man, jeez. And the fact that now, like, I know at the end that she's not punished for it is even more infuriating because you want that satisfying, like, put her behind the bars, like, beat her with her own stiletto. But no, yep. nothing. Like you said, beat. Yeah, it's. it's God, the woman had the fucking silver tongue. She really did. Um, so yeah, Sarah did cause some trouble for Anne. Up until then, the family managed to keep out of authorities focused. Uh, that was until around 1983, when a 10-year-old girl named Kim Kim Holm was reportedly kidnapped by her own mother. The girl's mother, Patricia Holm, was a member of the family and her father, Hans Hom, went to the police in order to get his daughter back. Mm. Officers visited up top to look for the missing girl and ask questions, but left empty-handed. All the while, 28 children huddled inside one of their secret hiding holes inside the lodge's walls. Oh my god. Can you imagine? Like, they were right there. They were literally right there. What, what, I, what I think is interesting, though, is like that's often how these cults kind of unravel, is that they don't uh, get two members of a couple one member like one um one of them is is brought into the cult and the other one is like whoa what are you doing that's like literally insanity and they're like no 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 it's fine it's fine it's fine and then it's either like a financial take uh, a land take or it's in a like i guess in this case a kidnapping or it's usually an abandonment where it's like yeah. my, my husband just fucking left where he's somewhere in there can you go get him yeah 
uh, or my wife. Um, and then it's when the police are like, hey, something weird's going on over there. Like, should we keep an eye on this place? And that's when these cults sort of start to unravel because they get really, like, they get really tight on themselves. Mm-hmm. And it just sort of all spills out. That's kind of essentially, yeah. like you said, little by little, what, what happened here? So little loose threads where it's like, hey... Here's my connection to the outside world that it's starting to affect my family. Yes. It, it can only hide shit for so long, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, this case went to, uh, went to court, and Anne had two of her followers, lawyer Peter Kibbe and Dr. Christabel Wallace, testify against Hans Holm. So, I mean, think about that. This woman had literally a, a lawyer and a doctor up who, you know, took an oath lying on stand for her. Like, they know that she has this child, and they're like, nah, she doesn't. No. Yeah, we don't have what, Kim. What child? There's no we children. We, we have no children. Kim? Who's Kim? What? Yeah. Like, that's, I don't know, that's Kim. crazy. These are professional people. You know how long it takes you to become a lawyer and a doctor, and these people were willing to throw all of that away for this woman? Like, they really believed yeah. that she was God. It's Man. It's just crazy. That's what blows my mind, is these were educated people. I wonder if the hammer ever came down for the educated people as well. Like, you know, all these people in them, the healthcare, the lawyers, the social workers. I wonder if they ever had that moment where like, oh, fuck. I fucked up. There's some of, I the, hope it, there's some of the threads that start to unravel. The, the, loose, the loose little threads. The, pull them apart. Let's yeah. pull them apart. Because they are not untouchable. No. So, apparently only God is. Exactly. So thankfully, a judge thro- saw through their BS and he ruled that they did not answer the questions honestly and he ordered Patricia and to return Kim to her father. A warrant was yeah, issued. Yeah, get him on perjury. Yeah, exactly. He's like, nah, you guys, that story's not adding up. You guys, you know Kim. Um, so a warrant. I saw you guys, your fingers are crossed into those robes. God damn it. <laughs> get back the child. <laughs> yeah, bring back, bring back Kim. We need Kim. Um, Give it Kim. <laughs> so a warrant was issued for Kim's arrest, but it was reported that just a week later that the mother and daughter were found in Auckland, New Zealand. So they were on the run. Uh, they were using the names Jeanette Berger and Jeanette Dehaven and were using a motel as a contact address. Again, this was probably all of Anne's doing, using her influence and her money and her power to... She's like, if I can't have you, nobody can. Get out of, you know, get out of here. Go hide yourselves. Do not turn your... Wow. Like, that, that's wild. Wild. God, just a, a toxic abuse, 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 abuse. Yep. So, so unfortunately, because Kim technically had only been abducted by her mother, the case did not spark an official inquiry into the family just yet. But it did kind of set some people, like you said, they were kind of like, mm, "What's going on here? How, why are you, like, why is a lawyer lying on stand over a missing girl?" You know what I mean? It did kind of spark some mm-hmm. questions there. Um, yeah. The real downfall of the family would be Sarah. Sarah was one of the oldest children in the family and would be instrumental in their demise. In their demise. Ah, oh, get it, Sarah. She, Sarah's great. As Sarah got older, she became more assertive and began arguing with those who supervised the children, including Anne Hamilton Byrne herself. Oh, get it, Sarah. After arguing once too often, she was cursed by Anne to go die in a gutter. Sarah refused this order and said, no, nah, I got some living left to do. Uh, and she was consequently expelled from the family in 1987 at the age of 17. What a fucking queen. She she really, like, I, I just can't even imagine, truly. That's, that's her whole, like, the bravery that must have took, that's her whole world. She doesn't know anything else. And then just having that, that, that forethought to be like, no, this is really fucked up. Mm-hmm. No. I've seen enough to know this is really fucked up. I need to get out. God, and she does. The, God, fucking Sarah. Fucking Let's Sarah. Go. Man. 
So Sarah was forced to take refuge with a family that she had met through a ballroom dancing class. Eventually, she would oh. be introduced to a private investigator uh, who only went by Helen D., um, who had actually been investigating the family for several years prior. So a lot of people, even privately, were kind of on to some shit happening here. Um, yeah, I'm so sure. this was a very important connection. Because of Helen, uh, Sarah went on to learn the truth about the family, that her life was a lie, and that Anne was a fraud. So she just, all of a sudden, the curtain is just pulled back. Her life is just... Yeah, the fucking walls came down. Yeah. Man. So, with the help of Helen, Sarah managed to feel comfortable enough to talk to two policewomen. Authorities managed to gain her trust, and this eventually led to the raid on Uptop on August 14th, 1987. And on this day, all children were finally removed from the premises. Oh, thank God they got them out. They got them out. Two decades, Uh, but they finally got them out. But like you said, I just, I can't even imagine the courage that Sarah had in this, in these, you know, weeks where she is not only going against her mom. I mean, think about that for a child to go against their mom, but their actual, Mm -hmm. who they believe to be their God, Mm -hmm. all in the effort to save her, her siblings. I'm just like, like, can you imagine if, if Anne had, had, had tilted in like go gone full cult mode where like, as soon as like people are start start going like no I don't want to do this and they start going the murder route like if like that Sarah could have lost her life yep like and, and can you she- imagine that that would have been so easy for Anne just to take that stiletto fucking stupid slipper and try and like snuff out the people who were going up against her even her own kid because clearly she didn't care about him nope and like what a different story that would have been we wouldn't know yep oh man it was all because of Sarah this entire thing you know getting the the you know justice that it did get and her siblings being saved it was all because of sarah it it oh, just God, could have been a completely a different story got a fucking champion well done sarah this one this one's to you absolutely we will raise a toast to her at the end of the of the podcast yeah raise uh, my toast <laughs> Uh, So the up top was raided, and almost immediately, Anne and her husband packed up and fled Australia. Surprise, surprise. They managed to avoid police for the next six years by hiding in their various estates around the world. They were spotted all over, but authorities had a hard time tracking them. One week they would be in Hawaii, the next week Britain, then the next week New York. Yeah, she's just bouncing to those those houses that people have bought for her. Exactly. During, During Anne's reign, as cult leader, she actually managed to amass quite a collection of properties. And in 1980, police estimated that Hamilton, that her fortune could be as much as $50 million. Wow. Just she, daylight robbery. She had resources. She had so much money yeah. and she was willing to hide behind it. And I'm sure that even when the cult collapsed, I'm sure that her followers were still like, some of them at least, were like, oh my God, like we need to make sure that nothing happens to, to, our, to our God. Yeah. And that's exactly it. Uh, in, 1989, in 1989, Lex DeMann and the police department set up a task force, Operation Forest, to investigate the family and the whereabouts of the runaway cult members. DeMann would be the one to catch the family's lawyer, Peter Kibbe, in 1990 for having uh, fraudulently produced a statutory declaration. Kibbe was interviewed intensely for the next four months during which he unveiled the process in which Anne was acquiring these children. This was the thread that really allowed them to understand what was happening because yeah. up until this point it was a giant mystery i mean they had the kids they knew what yeah, had happened where the kids come from but yeah. they had no idea how they were like what where did these like you said where did these children come from like yeah <laughs> what the heck whose kids are these whose kids are these yeah why do they all look like her like what what the heck 
that they're not hers. No. Um, Jeez. Yeah, just crazy. So finally, the Hamilton Burns were arrested by the FBI in 1993 after being found in their property in the Catskills. The couple was extradited to Australia, and their return ignited a media circus. People wanted justice and answers. Yeah. But of course, Anne's followers, like you said, put forward literally all of their resources towards her defense. Everything they had in the bank was just, they were going toward defending their god. They, they had to save her. They were desperate to save her. Even though her only her maximum penalty was already only set at sixty thousand dollars and a and a fine like as a fine in a six months of jail time, even with that, she only pled guilty to one charge and was given a five thousand dollar fine, but no jail time. So she was just fined and let go. Five thousand dollars for all that, because they managed to put everything under other people's names. Her handprints and her fingerprints were off of everything. Oh my fucking god. She was just there. She was the face of everything. She held her hands up and said, I never hit these children. I never did anything. And It really is a Manson situation, isn't it? It's like, it's literally like, well, I never killed anyone. I never... It's like, yeah, but you gave the order, and it's just being able to prove that they gave the order. I guess they just couldn't they, do it. And they couldn't do it. There was, no, there was no way for them to, without, you know, a doubt, prove that she was the mastermind behind all of this, even though... All of these people were literally willing to die for her, basically. Yeah. Just God, they all just took the hit, and they were probably like, they were probably so thankful that they took the hit. Absolutely, they were they were glad to do it. It was their destiny, their prophecy. That is, they would be happy to die for their God. It's insane. Insane. It just her maximum penalty was already only sixty thousand dollars as a fine in six months of jail time, but even that. Uh, the two pleaded guilty to only one charge. Each was fined $5,000, but were given no jail time. Unfucking believable The fact that her max, the, her max sentence would have been six months in jail. She kidnapped children. She kidnapped right? children. But in this case, she was only like a like a co-conspirator, like, I guess. I, like, I, I don't really understand how they managed to only pin these crimes on her. I guess just not enough just not I guess, enough yeah, evidence. With one person pointing the finger and seventy people standing in front of her, I'm sure it got a fucking it was a mess, but it's just like man. That child yeah. kidnap and fucking abuse. Yeah. Oh god, the st- just, the stiletto yeah. itself should have been in there for at least ten years. Absolutely. I, I ten ten years for every stiletto. Like just mm-hmm. yeah. A hundred percent. Um, so, unfortunately, by the time police had raided the properties, Anne's cruelty had already devastated so many. Families had been destroyed, marriages shattered and broken, and child victims left with lifelong trauma and psychological star- scarring. Many of the cult survivors struggled to acclimate to normal life, and several would attempt to take their own lives throughout the following oh, years. Um, it was pretty rough on a lot of them. But, like I said, we are going to end this on a positive note, and we are going to talk a little bit more about Sarah. Sarah was one of the few who went on to live a semi-normal life. Eventually becoming Sarah Moore, Sarah was reunited with her birth mother, uh, the woman who had put her up for adoption as an unmarried teenager back in 1969, and Sarah forgave her. Sarah would go on to study medicine and actually became a qualified doctor. Uh, She did extensive volunteer work in India and Thailand, but eventually returned to Australia where she practiced in a Melbourne hospital. She was revered by many as a leader and as a liberator, but still her past continued to haunt her. Sarah would make several suicide attempts throughout the years, um, and in 2008, one of these attempts was quite serious and actually resulted in the amputation of her lower leg. Oh Um, my god. 
She stated that this was actually not the result of the suicide attempt and was actually a result of mistreatment from hospital staff. So this girl just could not catch a break. And her being a doctor herself, I think she was pretty qualified to know if she was being mistreated. Yeah, Jesus fucking Christ. And I'm sure, like, she had the stigma with her, too. Like, even though she, she'd done everything in her life to, to get away from this cult, I'm sure it followed her like a, like a fucking bad smell. Absolutely. And so even though she was carving this amazing path for herself, I'm sure people, just people, were just holding her down and being like, oh, well, you know, she is the daughter of a cult. Yeah, absolutely. And not just that, but she, she was actually... Anne was very vocal about Sarah being her favorite daughter, which is wild because she cast her out to die so yeah that's I what you that, do to your favorite daughter right well i mean I, I suppose if she wasn't the favorite daughter i think the you i think we'll find out that the consequences would have been much more serious and that it wasn't have just been a cast out to die it would have been a the die yeah you're you're probably right actually yeah um uh, but because of this accident sarah would you have to use a wheelchair and crutches for the rest of her life um Though life was unimaginably tough for Sarah, she persevered and continued to work on herself and seek therapy. Um, in August of 2009, Sarah did something that honestly shocked the world, um, more than even blowing the whistle on Anne herself. Sarah decided to forgive Anne Hamilton Byrne. Really? The two had a rather emotional reunion at Anne's compound in Olinda, Victoria, which was covered by the Herald Sun. Just unreal. There's, wow. There's actual videos of the two of them in the same room and it's just eerie to watch i'm sure it is and i'm sure like 17 years of abuse is gonna do a number on you it's gonna and and i'm sure sarah needed that forgiveness because otherwise it would have just been hate and hate i i think hate is just as it's it's just as bad as indoctrination just holding hate with you it's, you know the only person that hate hurts is yourself absolutely it's it's poison that's what it's referred to yeah. as you know it so, really does just hurt the person holding on to it. Yeah, so I mean, I, I get it. It's, it. I'm shocked, but I get it. I get why she would want that forgiveness. I get why she would want that reconciliation. Even if Anne was behind bars, I'm sure Sarah would have been like, hey, you know, well, it doesn't make it right, but I forgive you for no. what you did. Absolutely. And you saying that, that's exactly, I read, Sarah actually has a personal blog that is still published on, on the internet now, and you can read mm -hmm. it, and she explains. It's called Why I See Anne. And she explains why you know, she made the decision to forgive her and how it has helped her personally and she believes it's the right decision and it, yeah. it is her life. You cannot argue with that. No, and it's and it's the only person who can make that decision is her. So yeah, get it, Sarah. It doesn't make you any less of a queen. You're a you're a fucking trooper and Absolutely. I hope she's living her best life. Anne was uh eighty seven years old at the time of um of this reunion and she was approaching her demise. The old woman stated that she was ready to die after being reunited with her favorite daughter. Uh, Sarah said that she still did love Anne, but had mixed feelings about her because she knows that Anne was the cause of all the abuse for her siblings. Um, like I said, reading reading her blog was just... Very, I think it, it, it made it a little bit more insightful of really getting inside her head, because I, I could never paraphrase really her own feelings. Yeah, it, and it, yeah... And they're feelings we could never understand. No, I, I encourage everyone, if you've made it to this point in the podcast and you are really interested in, in hearing her side of the pers her perspective of everything, I, I highly encourage you, Google it. Why I See Anne by, by Sarah Moore. And it, she, she does. It's a you know, whole page of going in detail of, of why, why she did what she did. And, you know, you just you really have to give kudos to her because I can only imagine the strength that it takes to forgive in that situation. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's, it's got to be hard. Here's a question for her. I went to ask it earlier. Is Sarah 
her the name that Anne gave her, or is that her given name, or is it a name that she chose for herself? Uh, I think that's a name that Anne gave her. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure if, you know, when she broke broke away from the cults, because, of course, you know, Anne was changing names left, right, and center, so I wondered. No, that's a really good question. It's because it specifically talked a lot about her changing her last name afterward, but it, she never changed her name to, from Sarah to anything else. So I'm mm-hmm. not sure if it was just because she identified as Sarah. Like you said, that was really how she felt. She felt like she was Sarah, or if that was her name beforehand. I don't. I don't know. Okay. No, it, it was um, just yeah. It was curious. No, if, if anyone does know the answers to that out there, please let me know. That is just something that I actually did not stumble upon in my research at all. And no one. No I mean, it it's up. undocumented. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good question, though. I am curious now, actually. Mm. Hmm. Save it for the recap. Yeah, we will. <laughs> I'll, I'm going to Google that specifically. Mm. Um, so to make things even more difficult um, for Sarah to forgive Anne, Anne never actually admitted to any of her wrongdoing. She only just blamed the aunties. Um, and that was as, about as much as she would actually do in the way of even acknowledging the abuse. Um, she was never repentant, and other than very specific, specific circumstances, she pretty much denied that anything ever happened. She said she loved her children. She did everything she could for her children. You can watch the interview with her, and she, with a straight face, just lies and just... I mean... Monster. But I also, I get it. I get why she would never admit it because she was never charged with it and the moment that she says that she did wrongdoing is is, is the moment that people come knocking on her door with an arrest warrant I get it it's it's self-preservation it's fucking it's diabolical absolutely it, it, yeah I mean flat out she's a monster so it gives it's even more kudos to Sarah's strength to be able to forgive a monster but man like I said you, you watch this interview with her and you know Anna's sitting there as this decrepit old woman and Sarah's sitting behind her in the foreground and this woman literally is sitting there. It's, I mean, like, quoting. She's calling these people lying bastards, and she would love to put them right for saying that she abused her children, and Sarah's just sitting in the background shaking her head. Like, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. I mean, you have to think about regular families that go through, you know, shit with this, and, and kids are never able to forgive their parents, let alone something of this magnitude. I cannot mm-hmm. imagine... God. having these conversations it just it really really speaks to sarah's strength truly yeah so yeah now b- queen sarah queen sarah 100 percent um after forgiving Anne, sarah went on to become a buddhist um after meeting a buddhist lama who inducted her into the belief system she wrote in her blog this brought me enormous relief as well as joy as now i could feel the support of a teacher and guru the buddha a teaching the dharma and a community the sangha of previously enlightened and compassionate beings. It made sense of my life and provided me with some perspective on what I had been doing and where I had gone wrong and had taken on too much spiritually and emotionally out of misguided arrogance or ignorance. So even after all of this, again, she's taking so much accountability on her own part of going like, I took on too much spiritually, I did these things. And it's all of the comments on the blog too are, are just in such high support for her of just telling her to forgive herself overall and yeah i truly believe she does forgive she does deserve forgiveness she did nothing wrong i think she's really taking the those lessons to heart you know it's it's not holding on to the anger because it could be so easy to just blame it everything on Anne and just live like in anger 
and it's yeah. so easy to do and I wouldn't falter for it at all like it's 100% her prerogative but that strength that it took to just be like I need to let it go like you know I'm, I'm not a perfect person my mother's not a perfect person the situation wasn't perfect and I'm sure you know especially 17 years that she grew up in that abusive household that spiritualism is gonna stick absolutely even, even a part of it and of course when you're taken from it the walls come down you're very aware of the void that it's gonna leave behind so one no, of the 100%. things she, she even wrote about it in her blog saying that she you know it affected her like you said the spirituality of it all affected her even after she left and then it probably she was even aware she's like it probably affected me subconsciously even after I felt like I was over it like so she mm -hmm. was very aware of the effects that the long-term effects that this had on her so that's almost what made it like more tragic is to just be so self-aware of the entire situation but it, it she is just truly such a strong person and yeah. at the very least in the end it sounds like she found some peace in her final years so throughout the rest of sarah's life um, the two would remain in and out of contact mainly as anne saw fit it was always on her terms of course um, sarah would pass away in may of 2016 due to heart failure at the young oh. age of 46 she's only 40 i was about to say like she can't you can't tell me she's gone yep uh, it's like half she passed away before her mother. Yep. And still oh alive at this God. point. That's unbelievable. Yeah. That's honestly one of the saddest parts. Oh, um, Sarah. Yeah. Rest she, in peace, you glorious, glorious angel. Truly. Absolutely. Amen. She had a Buddhist-themed funeral, and in attendance was Lex DeMann, um, the senior detective we talked about earlier mm -hmm. and his colleague peter spence who also helped on the investigation um alongside sarah's closest friends of the children in the family um and we'll we'll kind of talk a little bit more about that at the end okay it would have been a beautiful service had michael stevenson helmer not come to disrupt the funeral michael was one of anne's only remaining and most loyal followers he accused sarah of being a liar and proclaimed anne's divinity for one last time what Michael a would be bastard. so absolutely. He Michael would be so deliciously proved wrong when Anne finally died on June thirteenth, two thousand nineteen. Holla fucking Luya, the oh witch is God. dead. Oh, and that, ding dong, ding dong, the witch is dead. And that is exactly what the text message that Lex Demand received on that day was: the witch is dead. And I, he knew exactly what that meant. Oh Mike, I love that. Well done, well done. Oh God, what a. What a, what a, what a, what, what a, <laughs> with her otherworldly grip, grip finally gone from this earth, the cult had almost completely diminished. Uh, those were, that were following Anne at the time of her death fought about who should be the one to take over leadership, um, of the cult. Luckily, it didn't seem like they really worked it out because no one has taken over since and they're pretty yep. much gone. So thank the Lord. Um, yeah, quite literally. <clears throat> yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, a few of the other children survivors have come, for co have come forward and talked about their experiences, mainly back in 2016 during the making of a documentary about the family. This was right after the diary of Dr. Rainer Johnson became public, um, and that's how they also found a lot of information, where a lot of this comes from is his own personal accounts and testimonies of the events, um, mm -hmm. which, of course, were... You know, very biased. This man was not only on drugs, but as we stated, just completely obsessed with Anne as a human being. So, yeah, just we have know. to go off that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, for the most part, it seems that everyone was pretty eager to move on and put this whole thing behind them. So there really was not a lot of media coverage past that point. A lot of the, the kids, you know, kind of faded into, you know, their own lives and did not want to be contacted. Um, Absolutely. 
but I mean, it, as crazy as the entire thing was, it, it just almost feels like weird that it just could be done and over with so quickly, and that's just it. Yeah, um, I mean, I get it. Like, there's that there's that feeling of emptiness because there's no justice to be get, gotten anymore. Like, I mean, yeah, everyone, all of the followers that like took they already took the hit. They already, you know, they went to jail. They they lost their funds. They lost their family members. They lost this feeling of community. They've already been punished in one way or, or another. And so, even if you know people were to dig up and really like uncover it all it would do would provide information and of course the people who are involved they don't want that anymore they want closure exactly they don't want to sort of fan those flames i i, I mean I, I can't speak for them i don't know i don't know what they want but i can i can only imagine no but that's yeah. you can only assume like you said that that's because there has been no other information that has been brought forward yeah we can only assume that is what they want and we're going to respect that and the yeah. only reason that you know i really wanted to talk about this today was because I, I obviously wanted to take some time to shed some light on the atrocities that were committed, obviously to learn from them. I think that's important. But truly the most important part to me is that we really take some time to honor Sarah as well. Because of her and a few other brave souls, this evil empire was able to be brought down. If not for her, who knows how long something like this could have continued. She was a 15-year-old girl who stood up to not only her mother, but her deity as well. She was willing to die for her brothers and sisters. She was a hell of a badass in my book and a genuine hero. I am honored yeah. that Sarah shared so much of her story and allowed us to learn from it. So thank you to you, lady, for listening. Thank you, spookery listeners, for listening. I definitely did have a little bit of a harder time researching this one. Lots of mental health breaks along the way. Um, yeah. And I, I highly encourage that one even, you know, as you're reading or as you're listening to this now. Like, please, you know, take some breaks. Go, go. Yes, go hug your, yeah, hug go your listen, family. Yeah, you go know? listen to something fluffy. Go, go purge yourself because that that this is a very heavy subject, and you did such an amazing job delivering it respectfully, but also, you you know, you didn't hammer in like all of the the horrible. You let everybody know. So thank you for presenting it so amazingly because my heart goes out to you. Thank you to you. Thank you to Sarah. Thank you to everyone for getting this far. <laughs> we did it. We did and it. Ding, ding dong, the witch is dead. And ding dong, the freaking witch is dead. Thank gosh. Oh, man, so, what an episode. <laughs> I know. So I really I'm I'm so shocked that you did not hear about this this organization no. before. Like you like I said you know so much about cults and things like that. So I was just I, I had expected you to know. So now that you have the full take of this one, I'm really curious cuz this is one of the few cults that really is led by a woman that was so yeah. similar to a lot of other ones that came forward. I mean, I want to hear some of your thoughts on it. It was it's great. I do know a couple of other cults that are led by women and they tend to be I don't know. They, they guess they tend to be more secretive. Things leak out less. Um, mm -hmm. And it's really, you know, like I said kind of earlier, it's only when those kind of those loose threads start to fray at the edges and, you know, couples start to get separated or families start to break because they're disagreeing. That's when things sort of unravel. Yeah. I mean, men-led cults, there's tend, they tend to spiral into violence a lot more. You know, looking at, you know, Charles Manson, I, the, the cult that I thought you were talking about at the beginning is another family, and it was like a vegan health cult that uh, I think it's based in America. And as soon as you said, oh, there was yoga involved, I'm like, oh, I know exactly what's going on. Oh, no, yeah, and that's why I was like, well, they did only eat, like, fruits and vegetables, and they were like, you know, so I mean, like, kind of, that was a vegan yeah. diet. I, like, I don't know, like, you could and call, I, so I, I thought maybe. Yeah, and I and I thought I because uh, like the name sounded familiar, but I think like all cult members, like I mean, all of these kinds of cults, they were they're they're all the same song played at a different melody, right? Yes. 
but oh, yeah, I, I didn't know this one. And of course, this one's not an, um, a documented one. And most of my cult information comes from like the documents come out. Here's yes. what this 20-year investigation has uh, discovered. Yeah. And this one hasn't had it. And it's a newer, recent, like, more recent cult. It, it is, yeah. No, the only sources of information, um, I was I was restricted to ex-member testimonies, print media reports, other online podcasts, uh, the documentary and book produced by journalist Chris Johnston and filmmaker Rosie Jones in 2016. So, I mean, I didn't, I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch the full documentary. I watched the interviews with her and I watched snippets from the documentary and I, I did my best to get information from that. But it was, it was difficult. There was, this was something mm. I wanted to talk about, but there was just not a lot of information. Yeah, so. and you did. I think you did a great job putting it together. You know, you were. Yeah, I think. You, I think you, it was a not a good. It's it's a good story, but it's not a good story. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But no, it's, it's. I think it's a great addition to our spookery. I think it's a it's an important story to tell. Um, absolutely. And you know, just now that like I'm letting it soak in a little bit, I wonder because I was thinking it's like oh you know, sixties, seventies, eighties. You know when this was happening. Of course, there's a lot of really prominent cults happening there, notably like Jonestown and Charles Manson. And I'm like, well, you know, why wouldn't people be more aware of this? And I'm like, oh, because this was in Australia. Exactly. And it's so removed from where we can kind of consider cult town yeah. and where all of the cult shit was really booming. And it's, kind of, it's, it's almost ignorant in a way to be like, oh, yeah, like nothing's happening in Australia. Like they're just living their best life over there. Like, yeah. why are and no, they're, yeah, it, it even baffled. I mean, watching the interviews, you know what I mean? Like these Australian like newscasters and stuff like that, they're doing this interview. Like, I don't want to seem that they seem more appalled than uh, than Americans with these kind of news. But I mean, like, it really was something that they were just like, what? The, like, you could see it in their faces. I mean, they mm-hmm. were just like blown away. Their minds just could not fathom what had taken place here. So, I mean, it wasn't even just us that were thinking that it that, even Australians were like, how could this happen in our own home? Like, yeah. And it's, yeah, and it's, it's just like, oh, because they weren't so close to the, you know, the big cults that were happening that yeah. were exploding at the time. I just, yeah, it was just like, wow, it's really crazy over here in America and in England, right? Like, that we're not over there. It literally, that's and exactly And it was happening it. in their back garden. It's like, yeah. yeah. But, man. Yeah, okay, no. I'm going to be like lying on my bed later and I'll be like wow I gotta like I gotta know <laughs> no there are a lot of unanswered questions so like you said this is stuff that we can talk about at our recap episode at the end of the season um, if other listeners have questions or if anyone is able to you know if someone does watch the full documentary and goes hey I got more info for you let us know I'll yeah. probably watch the documentary I mean we could go watch it tonight like let's what are we doing after oh, this God. let's go <laughs> yeah, <but> like, <laughs> we'll watch something fluffy and then be like alright back into yeah, the documentary <laughs> no but it is something I do want to know more about it just because that morbid curiosity but Mm. I think the like I said just the most important thing for me was just remembering those involved and just and having it be a remembrance telling and yeah and yeah it's it's a it's a story worth telling you know it's a horrible tale but it's you know it's it's important to remember that there are survivors and there are people who thrived afterwards and there are people who you know probably got off a little bit more scot-free than they intended and yeah and, and you know even if nothing comes of it it's just yeah it's good to remember it's kind of like with my Erdington stuff you know there wasn't a lot of information and there's probably not a lot that can be done now but they're important stories to tell because it's it's true crime is true to somebody exactly and it's the same with cults so that's their there it may be like woo culty but it's it's true to somebody Exactly. And, this was, and they you know, just, yeah. Sarah's story. And I, I, like I said, I felt honored to be able to read her story and to be able to retell it in my own way to you guys. So, yeah. No, yeah. Was, 
it was a ride it for sure was yeah we, we laughed we cried but <laughs> and everything you in told, between you told one doozy of a story ma'am and i'm sure i think this is the one that's going to haunt me the most as of right now as of the season this is I, the one that's probably going to haunt me the most i had a feeling yeah this is like one of the more serious ones um but we'll see i'm hoping the wheel is going to be kind and that maybe i'll get some <laughs> cryptids or some aliens or something like that i'd be so happy with that i want some well creatures. speaking of the wheel uh, the spookery wheel tm the spookery wheel tm shall i get the spookery wheel tm ready for yes. your role and I, i'm gonna be like thankfully you don't have to do theft and fraud or cults so like win-win win-win i'm here for it come on cryptids come on cryptids mama needs a new pair of shoes <laughs> <laughs> hold on it's heavy i can't get over here <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry i'm rushing you i'm very eager to spin this wheel it's my turn to spin the wheel it's my mom says it's my turn to spin the wheel <laughs> so you got this wheel in here i see yes i've kind of got the, got the wheel in i've got your categories in so there's nothing to do but to spin the wheel all right a one you ready and a two and a seven no <laughs> <laughs> we'll get this down one day spin this wheel spin that well, what did I get? Would you oh, like God. to know what you got? Did I get cryptids? You got cryptids and folklore. No, I fucking did. You are you fucking kidding me? I will look at. I will send you a picture of this fucking wheel. You got cryptids oh. and folklore, ma'am. <laughs> you oh manifested God. something beautiful. I manifested that. <gasps> I'm so excited! Yes. God, you got all the cool ones. You got cults. You got cryptids. What? What more? What cryptids. more could you want? What are we gonna do? Oh my god! I don't even know. Cryptids and folklore. I'm literally yeah. just bouncing, man. Oh, oh my god! Like, you're gonna be vibrating for the rest <laughs> of the week. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Oh my god! And that's great. You don't have to know, but it's gonna I be don't fantastic. Have to know. I I'm so excited. I'm I had no so idea what I was going to do for this episode, and it turned out pretty good. So, I mean, like, yeah, the next one's going to be good. I mean, too. so you basically, you're, you're, <laughs> set for, you're set for life. Your content's always good. Uh, I get it. Uh, <laughs> Ma'am, I am so excited for your episode next week. Don't even. I, I, whew, next, next week's going to be, it's going to be quite the different. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be quite the different. That's English. <laughs> quite the different. It's going to be quite the different. Quite. Um, and I think in tradition, I think what we always do is we always tease next episode just a little yeah. bit. So I will have to come up with a teaser. So my category is theft and fraud. And so my teaser is there is a movie Ooh. that was made based off of my theft and fraud. And the movie does not do the stupidity justice. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but I know you will. But I, I don't let these fuckers go. And they are fuckers. And I'm stating that now so that when you see the title of next episode and you guys are like, what? I'd be like, they're fuckers. They are fuckers. Wow. Uh, oh, man. Well, I, for man. one, am super excited for yours. I always love your cases in general. I love the way that you present stories. I love when you learn me a thing. So I, I know I'm looking forward to it next week. Well, next week you are gonna learn many a thing because 
my much kind of like Ouija boards. My episode is everyone's kind of familiar with, I guess, the concept of what mine is. Okay. But nobody really knows the story. Nobody knows what like the, the nobody knows the context. Yeah. And so, it my my mine will definitely be a two parter. It's definitely going to be two parts, um, and they'll come out on the Monday and the Thursday. Okay. And it's. Like, we'll just just hold on hold on to your saddles. Oh it's gosh. gonna be a bumper ride. Oh god. <laughs> cool. I'm holding on. <laughs> and that's all I say. Oh gosh. I'm I'm so excited. I don't even know if I can wait a week, Mayo. Well just, just maybe you tomorrow. won't have to wait a week. <laughs> <laughs> I know I don't have to actually wait as long as everyone else has to wait. That's, no, that's you get you thing. get you get exclusive privileges and then I get to go edit all the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Uh, but I'm oh, I'm so thrilled that you got cryptos especially because you manifested that shit <laughs> i literally like can't actually believe I, that's what i want i told Corey. i've been talking about getting cryptids for weeks that was like what i want that was my first thing i wanted and i got it like i have it and now got it it's to- there it, our oh, official first cryptid episode oh i am so on i don't know what i'm gonna do but we're gonna make it a fucking doozy oh yeah i'm elated Man, I cannot wait because I know you're gonna pick a because I don't know a lot about cryptids. Cryptids is not my my area of expertise. I'm not a cryptozoologist. <laughs> I became a person. I don't know something possessed me at that moment. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know a lot of cryptids. I know like the famous ones. I know like Mossman and Bigfoot and, and Nessie. But yeah. like there were so many like little niche ones. That that chupacabra and and there's so, and not deer. I know the not deer. The not deer. Well, yeah, we'll save that for my cryptid episode. (laughs) But, like, yeah, I'm sure you're going to, like, come out and you're like, have you heard of this? And I'm like, no, I have not. (laughs) Yeah, I managed to surprise you this time. I'm I'm going two for two. I'm going to try to do it again. I really am. I'm going to try to find something that is just niche, but... It's gonna blow your socks off, truly. I'm I'm this is a challenge and I am so up for it. I'm so ready. Oh, oh I'm so excited. And I'm I'm so happy for you because you got the one you wanted. <laughs> and I got, when does that ever happen? That never, never. happens. It never <laughs> happens. <laughs> it never happens There's with us. <laughs> 20, 23 other options on this. And that's what yeah. I got. Yeah. And just what she got. That's and yeah, that means I can't do cryptids for my spit then this time around but maybe two more spins down the line you never know maybe the yeah. the spookery gods will bespoke bespoke bestow you bespoke well, yeah they're gonna bespoke <laughs> what does that work mean i don't know bespoke. Bespoke. they're gonna bespoke me <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to be you but <laughs> it's the past it's the past tense of bespeak me <laughs> oh my gosh more words no but i'm like i'm super excited and it means that cults get added to my wheel for for next next spinnerino uh, it also That's means that for my part one, we will not be spinning the wheel. We will spin oh. the wheel on part two. <clears throat> That's true. That's true. Yes. Oh. That's exciting. So, yeah. Look forward to it. Look forward to Theft and Fraud for next week. Look forward to Cryptids the week after. And look forward to continued season one spookery, because we've got a lot of really cool stuff coming out. And I'm just, I'm so excited to be doing it with you. And I'm so excited to be doing it with you, listener. Thank you for coming on our journey. Merry spook spookerimus. Merry, Merry, Merry spookerimus. Yeah, we celebrate it all year round, man. That's the that's the holiday. We're living in perpetual spookerimus. Every every season is spooky when you're with spookery. <laughs> that was really good. I just took a shitty grin and took a sip of my tea. <laughs> 
That was really good. Every uh, season is spookery. <laughs> yeah, just, how did you say it? I can't even Every it. season it is so spooky good. when you're with spookery. spookery. That's what it is. Oh, man. That's, that's our first t-shirt. There we go. That is <laughs> really good. Kind of I love that. It's, writing it down. TM. Trademark. TM. It happened so right you here. You can't take this. It's spookery. <laughs> I'll fight you for oh, it. I'll fight you. No, it's uh, TM. You can't even. I need to fight you for it. I already TM'd it. That's oh, yeah. all that works. It's a it's That's, a it's a, a verbal trademark. It's a binding. Yeah. Okay. It them's the rules. It's, it is. Yeah. Them's the rules. Right? I'm a lawyer. Trust me. I do. Can't argue anymore. All right. Oh, uh, I guess we should plug our socials, right? So you can find us anywhere uh, on Instagram at Spookery Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Spookery Podcast. And you can send us a Gmail at SpookeryPodcast at gmail.com. Send your corrections, your concerns, your, your quartermasters. I don't know. Uh, you can send whatever you want. Um, just make sure you put it in the subject line. Yeah, Just not, not any bad pictures. Yeah, don't send any bad pictures. I will ban you. Um, but yeah, just just be kind. Also, keep your corrections nice because, of course, you know, we are humans and we have to read them. And, you know, nobody... You know, if if we got something wrong, just just say it nicely, easy peasy. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you can find me on on Instagram and Twitter. Not really, I barely go on them, but you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Lady Theatrics. Uh, and you can find me Alana at Alana Nicole on Instagram, Twitter, all the same nonsense. All the same nonsense. That's where we are. Nonsense. Oh, just <laughs> living in nonsense. Living in nonsense. Yeah, the, the fix end when we all go, yeah, that was a good story. <laughs> it's it's true, though. Yeah. Oh. No, thank you all so much for listening. Today was a episode and a half. What's Today happy? was an amazing episode. Thank you for doing doing this cult just an amazing amount of justice. And I love you, ma'am. And uh, Hold on to your butts for next week. Hold on to your butts, everyone. You heard it here first. Hold on to your butts. So, thank you, everyone. Until next time. Stay spooky. Bye-bye. I just realized where I got Sevelin from. I like I was like, I'm so smart. I pulled that out of my ass. No, I didn't. I took it from fucking Only Murders in the Building. From Murder Only Murders, yeah. The minute you said that, I remember. I was like, I I feel like I stole that. That's not mine. I call her Sevelin. Oh man, the fucking cat. Oh my god, that's so funny. Oops. <laughs>